many of us start to talk about just how busy the holidays are. We've got family to prepare for, we've got meals to make, presents to buy, and this year only has made it more challenging for each of us in the holiday seasons. We, we had to change plans, cancel meals, figure out how to eat Thanksgiving while socially distancing. And every year, I feel like we go through this ritual, these two months of dedication to busy schedules. And it always gets me thinking about this question, what schedules do we live by? Who decides what goes on your calendar? When you look at the next day or the next week or the next month, who really has the most say about how you spend your time? What schedules do we live by? Some of us live by the schedule of the work week. We know from Monday to Friday, the predetermined event is work, work, work. We've got meetings and appointments and clients and deadlines. We've got to get up and get there on time. We've got to be there from 8 to 5. This is one schedule we live by. For a lot of us, the all-powerful school year determines our schedule. From the time you're just five years old to high school or college or beyond, you've got these two big blocks in your year that are all about education, getting kids up and ready. If you're a teacher, you've got to get kids to sit down and actually do their work. You've got sports thrown in too, and your whole week is jam-packed with school or the all-powerful extracurricular activities. And once you add in church and maybe a few attempts at spending time with family or friends, there's your schedule for the whole week. It's already done. Many of us live by schedules. Whether we choose it or not, whether we want to or not, we live by a certain timetable. And the idea of this series is very simple. What schedule you live by impacts what you live for. How you spend your time will impact and affect your goals in life and the direction you're headed. Just think about anyone who lives by the schedule of the work week. They begin to start living for the weekend and the holiday and the vacation. We had a a plumber come over this week to fix our shower. It was leaking, and he kept saying to himself, Two days until Turkey Day, two days until Turkey Day, two days until Turkey Day. It was like this ritual. He had to, like, like this hypnotic spell that he wanted to cast over himself because he was just living for the vacation, living for the holiday, getting through work, beyond work, to the other side. For those of you who are in school and you live for the school year. You end up living for the summer because you can't wait, whether you're a parent or kid, for that three-month break for trips and summer camps and, at the very least, no homework. But I think this truth actually goes a little bit deeper. Sometimes, and I bet many of us have felt this way, our schedules take on a life of their own. It's like we lose the ability to decide how we spend our time. We end up saying, well, I had to do X, Y, or Z because work demanded it or school demanded it. And and we're not just deciding how we spend our time. It's like our schedules make demands on us. The schedule doesn't work for us. We live for the predetermined schedule. 
and what schedule you live by impacts what you live for. Now, the New Testament talks about time very differently. It's not an American view of time. It's not a a time that's determined by work or the school year. It talks about it in kind of a grand scope, a cosmic perspective in which all of world history is narrowed down to two eras, two ages, two different times, the present age and the age to come. Jesus himself talks about this over and over. He talks about the present age and the age to come. One time he's talking to his disciples about when they lose family or friends because of the fact that they're following him. And he says, in the present age, you will receive a new family, a church family. And in the age to come, you will receive eternal life. In the Great Commission that a lot of us have heard of, Jesus promises to be with us to the very end of this age. Jesus' disciples ask him at one point whether the temple will be destroyed in this age or in the age to come. So much of the view of the New Testament is wrapped up in these two big eras. All of world history narrows down to these two different times. The present evil age, which is a time of sin and death and Satan and suffering, and then the age to come. A time that we look forward to of justice and peace. And and not just Jesus wasn't the only one who talked about this. So many Jewish teachers in his time saw this distinct change. The Messiah would come, the Messiah would arrive on the scene, and the present evil age would come to an end. We would put all that stuff behind us, sin and suffering and death, and the age to come would begin. There is this clear and bright line separating the two times. And this is why, when Jesus was crucified, all of his disciples went home. Because he didn't bring the age to come. There was still injustice. There was still war. The Roman Empire was still controlling vast uh, swaths of land. He, Jesus didn't restore Israel's kingdom, or at least it didn't look like it. The resurrection of the dead didn't happen. So he didn't do what the Messiah was supposed to do. We're still in the present evil age. So they all went home because Jesus failed, or at least they thought he did. And then there was a surprise two days later. He was raised from the dead. And for all of his disciples, this meant that the age to come showed up ahead of schedule. Instead of this bright, clear line separating these two times, there is now an overlap. The present evil age is still here, but the better era, the new age, the age to come had begun ahead of time, ahead of schedule. This is why Paul, the author of the letter we just read this morning, was once a persecutor of Christians and then became a passionate missionary for Christ. Because he looked at Jesus and he thought, well, that's a, that's a false, failed Messiah. He didn't bring the age to come. And then he sees Jesus on the road to Damascus and he says, oh my goodness, he's actually alive. The age to come has begun. Paul didn't convert from one religion to another. He thought Jesus was a false Messiah, and then he realized he was the Messiah, which is why he begins his letter this way. The Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to rescue us from 
the present evil age. This is what salvation is all about. We're saved from the present evil age, which means we kind of live in in two worlds or two times. We've got one foot in the present age and one foot in the age to come. And so Paul is basically saying, I don't want Christians to live according to the old era. We live on a different schedule, a different timetable. We live in the time between the times. This is the name of the new series we're starting today, and it's all about this idea that's so crucial to understand throughout the New Testament. The present evil age is still at work, but the age to come has begun. Jesus started his kingdom. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He forgives us of our sins, and yet we look forward. Jesus has not done all that he planned to do. So we live in between the times. Jesus has begun a new era, and we await the next one. I think this passage is perfect to begin the season of Advent. Many Christians in the world, around the world are celebrating this season starting this morning. And, and you might not have heard of this word before, or you may have, used it, uh, may have heard it used with, with technology, like the advent of the airplane or the advent of the internet. It means the arrival of something new. It's like something has come on the scene for the first time. And this is why Christians use this word for Christ. Christ has come on the scene Our Heavenly Father sent His Son to be with us and to be one of us. But the beautiful thing about this season of Advent is that there there are two Advents of Christ. He came on the scene 2,000 years ago and He will come on the scene again. He will return. We look forward to the second coming of Christ. So this season is not just kind of a preparation of Christmas. Part of that is true. But it's looking backward and forward. It's remembering and hoping. It's seeing what Jesus did in his life and his death and his resurrection. But it's also looking forward to his return when he completes what he started. This season, like Christmas and Lent and Easter, helps us to live by a different schedule. We recognize at the beginning of this sermon, we've all got schedules. We're inevitably going to live by them. We're going to look forward to the break. We're going to look forward to vacations. We're going to look forward to maybe school coming back. Maybe you're, you're looking forward to that. But you live kind of in, with earthly schedules, the work week, the school year, retirement, grandkids, you name it. But Christians live on a different schedule, a different timetable. We look at our year and see different ways of looking at the world. Because here's the thing, Christian or not, your schedule can take on a life of its own. And you may not think about it or understand where your life is headed, but sometimes you have to ask the question, how do I spend my time? 
How am I going to spend my days on this earth? How am I going to live? What timetable am I going to work according to? Because if you don't ask that question, if you don't have an answer to it, you might end up spending your whole life on a schedule you didn't choose or a schedule with no direction. You could get to the end of your time, not knowing how or why you spent time the way you did. You can end up putting your whole life in the hands of a schedule you didn't really think about. Now, the good news that Christians know and recognize and have celebrated is that our fate, our end, the direction we're headed is not in the hands of mere time, but the author of time. Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the one who was and is and is to come. He is the author of time, the creator of all things, and he is going to come back. He's going to put the present evil age away, and we will fully enjoy the age to come. And because we believe this, because we believe that about the future, we get ready for it right now. We set apart times and seasons to get ready for Christ's return. This is why Christians created things like Ash Wednesday, to help us repent of our sins, to remind us of our mortality. This is why Christians created Lent, to help us to fast and pray and become more disciplined like Christ was disciplined. And this is why we have Advent. Because sometimes... We can just feel like we're running out of time. And I think this is especially true in the holiday season. We just get into this ritual. We don't even think about it. And time passes by and we don't know what we're really living for. We don't really know what schedule we're living by. It's like it predetermines our life before us. But Advent, all of the different Christian seasons help us redirect us, they shape us and transform us to live by a different schedule. Because the schedule we live by impacts what we live for. Seasons like Advent remind us that time is in the hands of Jesus. He is the turning point of history. His birth is year zero. This is why we say the year of our Lord 2020. He is the ultimate author and source of all things. He is the ultimate guide to how we live our days. And seasons like Advent are meant to help us, not as rote rituals, not to bore us to death, not to do the same thing over and over again, but to redirect us, to make us look again at Jesus. So when we're overwhelmed by the death and suffering that our country and the whole world has been facing, Easter reminds us that Christ defeated death. When we're getting spiritually lax and undisciplined, Lent arrives to help us refocus our energy on prayer and fasting. When we're becoming arrogant about our own success, Ash Wednesday reminds us that we come from dust and to dust we shall return. And when we spend our holiday seasons bustling around, acting like we're running out of time, Advent helps us. It shows us that all time is in the hands 
of Christ. So, during this season of Advent, my hope is that we don't just live by our human schedules. Those are important. Those are crucial. Those are essential. You can't live without them. But Advent helps us to spend our time for Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he helps us each and every year look to him. Set apart time as holy for him. To not be impacted by our schedules or predetermined by those, but to spend all of our time for Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know we have to live in this world. We have to have schedules. We have to have our timetables and our calendars. It's such a crucial part of our day-to-day life. But we hope that we don't get sucked into these schedules or, or driven by them. Sometimes we end up submitting to our schedules and our timetables and our tasks. And we don't know what we're really living for. We don't really know why or how we're spending our time. And so we pray that these seasons that Christians have created to remind us that all things are in your hands, all time is in your hands. We pray that you would help us look, for, look backward to when Christ came first and to look forward to when he will come again. We pray that you help us to remember all that he accomplished and to hope in what he will do in the future. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.